Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12-31-19. Stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Play a stick. Hold! Hit him up! Smoke him! Make him hard! Ready! Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters. We came, we saw, we kicked it. Oh, I wonder what he was going to say there. Um, hi, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerds Show podcast. My name's Adam and I am a geeky retro nerd. So today we are talking about, or I'm talking about, Ghostbusters. What a film. What what a huge, huge movie it was um, back in 1984 when it was released. Um, and, and actually, you know what? It, it, when I look back when I was a kid... It was huge. It was absolutely massive, wasn't it? It was. It was like some sort of phenomenon. It was something special had happened. But when I was re- researching for this, it wasn't even the biggest um, movie of nineteen eighty four. And when I looked, it's actually got loads of competition in nineteen eighty four. There was loads of good films in nineteen eighty four. The top ten in that year is made up of Splash, Star Trek Three, Romance in the Stone, Footloose, Police Academy. The Karate Kid, Gremlins, 
Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters at number two. Number one, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, ironically, that features um, Eddie Murphy, who was considered for a role in Ghostbusters. So how's about that? It wasn't even the biggest film in 1984. But in my opinion, it was definitely the best film of 1984 because it's an absolute classic. And I, and I can remember me, me sort of earliest memories of, of, you know, enjoying films and what have you is um, back in school days. You know, me, I remember me and my mates were in the schoolyard and we would take turns of uh, reenacting scenes from Ghostbusters. Nine times out of ten, we would reenact the scene at the start um, where the they go to the library and the ghost's in the library and he goes, get it, and he goes, rah, and then they all run away. We used to reenact that in the schoolyard and we all used to take turns of being the ghost um anyway i digress ghostbusters absolutely brilliant film and, and anybody who's a fan of the movie will know that um dan Aykroyd was um hugely influential in getting this movie made um he, he was part of the writing team that wrote it and he was in it so hugely responsible, and, and, and we've we've got a lot to thank him for. I think for for getting this film made. But where so? But where did he get his influence from? Where where did he get the ideas to make this movie? Well, I'm going to tell you. And where I'm pulling this information from is same as the um, Back to the Future episode. I had a book for that, which was a wonderful book. I also have a wonderful book for this, and it's Ghostbusters, The Ultimate Visual History, and it's written by Daniel Wallace, and it's absolutely fantastic. It talks about uh, the first movie, the second movie, it talks about the music, it talks about the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, and there's there's loads of great stuff in it, loads of great pictures, and that's what I'm using um, when I'm talking about the, the movie today. So where did Dan Aykroyd get his influence from? For, for getting this movie made or, or the ideas for Ghostbusters. Well, um, so Dan Aykroyd, actually, um, he grew up in a Canadian farmhouse that was in his family for five generations. And it was um, his, his, his family were, were hu- hugely into the paranormal. And, and by his account, um, paranormal phenomena, filled his house he says from the cellar to the rafters and his family ancestors regularly participated in seances and summoned ghostly faces and instead of national geographic magazines lying around the place Aykroyd says the coffee tables in his home were littered with journals from the american society for physical research so um i, I think that um a psychic research sorry i think that if you're a child in and around that kind of thing, it's going to rub off on you, I think. And what's great, I think, about Ghostbusters is that it, it's kind of like two films. Um, you know, when you watch it as a child compared to when you watch it as an adult. When you watch it as a child, it's a really cool movie. There's loads of cool stuff in it. The car, the proton packs, the traps, and the ghosts. It's a really cool movie to watch. And then when you're an adult and you watch it, you sort of get the jokes a bit more. You understand it better. Um, So, for instance, uh, as a child, you're watching Ghostbusters 
and that scene where there's a ghost with Ray. And as a child, you're thinking, oh, that, that, that's a very kindly um, lady ghost helping him take his trousers off at the end of a busy day when he's going to bed. That, that's very kind of her. As an adult, you're like, oh, nice one, Ray. Good stuff. <laughs> so Dan Aykroyd had the idea for this movie and um, he's playing around with some concepts. And, and as a believer himself, he understood or he knew the frustrations um, felt by individuals whose claims of paranormal experiences are, are just discarded, you know, by non-believers. So Dan Aykroyd started playing with the idea of, well, um, what if you advertised on TV or in the yellow pages and somebody was saying, hey, we, we believe you, we understand, we believe in the paranormal, we can help you out. And that's where he started formulating the, the, the idea for the movie. And initially he was, he was writing it for himself and he was writing it for his, his big pal, um, John Belushi. Unfortunately, as we know, John Belushi, Belushi died in 1982 and he was only 33 um, of a drug overdose. But Ackroyd, you know, he persevered with writing the movie and he actually, as I mentioned before, he had his eye on Eddie Murphy for one of the roles um, to co-star with him. But eventually he got on to Bill Murray, who he wanted to um, feature in the film and Bill Murray agreed. So Dan Aykroyd, um, you know, once he had a draft, he wanted to get some more eyes on it. He wanted to, he wanted to get some more collaborators on the on the script, and he got Ivan Reitman, who directed the movie, and Harold Ramis on board. And Reitman, of course, um, had previously directed Animal House, Meatballs, and Stripes, which were all huge um, hits and and really quite. I think those kind of movies changed the, the comedy movie landscape um, for many. And also, uh, Ramis got involved and he co-wrote those movies, Animal House, Meatballs and Stripes. Uh, he co-starred in Stripes as well, actually. But he'd already had some uh, movies under his belt as a director. The brilliant Caddyshack and the excellent National Lampoon's Vacation, both of which are on my list to podcast about, so look out for those. Uh, but both brilliant movies. Um, you know, all of those movies are excellent. Reitman and Ramis were excellent um, contenders to collaborate with Dan Aykroyd on the script. So they pulled together a, a really rough, uh, rough script and they set up a, a meeting with Columbia Pictures to discuss their ideas for um, this movie, which actually wasn't called Ghostbusters at this point. It was called Ghost Smashers. Um, Ghost Smashers. So they set up a meeting with Columbia Pictures. Um, and in the book here, Reitman recalls being asked for a budget for the film by Price. And in a somewhat spontaneous gesture, the director proposed a number on the spot and it was accepted. Ghostbusters was given the green light. The one catch was that the studio needed a big movie for release early the following summer, before July, and the distraction of the 1984 Summer Olympics. So they had to get the movie made and out before the Summer Olympics of 1984. And what that meant was um, a release date of June the 1st, which meant that Reitman, um, Ramis and Atroyd had just over one year, 
one year to take the project from script to screen. So buckling down for a major script rewrite, Ackroyd, Ramis and Reitman retreated to Ackroyd's vacation home um, on Martha's Vineyard. And there the trio disappeared into a camouflage painted basement nicknamed Dan's Bunker to churn out the screenplay pages on an old uh, royal typewriter. And the writing process took them two and a half weeks where they basically knocked out what is now the movie that we, we know it as now. Um, and it took them that time to get the character dynamics down. So they created um, Venkman, um, his character with wit, charm and charisma. Um, Ray Stance as a believer and an optimist. Uh, Egon Spengler, who actually was named after two people, one of which was a high school classmate of Harold Ramis's, um, somebody in his class called Egon Donsbach, and, and, and the German historian Oswald Spengler. And actually, um, Egon Spengler is described as a new wave Mr. Spock. <laughs> so it was always known that um, the characters of Venkman, Stance and Spengler would be played by uh, Murray, Ackroyd and Ramus. Um, so so that was already sorted. They already knew that. And obviously, um, Reitman was going to direct it. And Reitman started pulling his team together. Now, um, something that Reitman wasn't overly familiar with was um, special effects. And he, he had to pull the team together. And in the second part of this two-part episode, I'll be talking about how the fantastic Richard Edland, um, the special effects designer of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Star Wars trilogy, amongst other things, got involved with the movie. I'll also be talking in the second part of this episode um, about the the casting that still needs to be done for the other characters identified in the script, which included a love interest, a neighbour, a secretary, and a fourth ghostbuster. So thanks very much for listening. Um, it, it really means a lot. You are listening in your hundreds, I'm very pleased to say. Keep an eye out for the next episode. Speak to you soon. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. For a gift that goes beyond the holidays, don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Ask how to get $150 back on a package with the ultimate Wi-Fi and Xfinity X1. Your all-in-one entertainment experience. Simple, easy, awesome. Click, call, or visit us today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.